Ed Robertson welcoming you back to TV Confidential Radio Talk Show about television. Tony Figueroa and Donna Allen are with us to bring us this week in TV history. Tony's segment, as always, brought to us by our friends at Story Salon, Southern California's longest-running, regularly-performing live storytelling ensemble. Special Zoom editions of Story Salon take place live on the last Wednesday of every month, but you can watch those videos at any time at facebook.com forward slash story salon. This particular segment with Tony and Donna was recorded a few weeks ago, and at the time we gathered, we were talking about how we lost two iconic actresses, Floris Leachman and Cecily Tyson, both within a span of 24 hours. Our segment on Cecily Tyson will air in a few weeks on TV Confidential. In the meantime, as we pick up the conversation... We lost Floris Leachman. Within 24 hours? Yeah. And they were of the same... I mean, were they the exact same age? I mean, they were very... I think they were both in their nines. I think uh, Cecily was 96. Um, I believe Cloris was 91. No, she was 94th. She was 94. So they would have been within two years of each other. And I will say I didn't, I knew how old Cicely Tyson was because I had seen her on something and her age was revealed and I remember being shocked. I didn't realize Floris Leachman was in her 90s. To be honest with you, I didn't either because there's something ageless about her. And it's not just because she did Dancing with, with the Stars about... 10 years ago, looked great, you know, was was the contestant of that season. Everybody pulled for her, and everyone, even though you sort of knew that she wasn't going to win the, the gold cup, but it was fun. She to, was having way too much fun. She exactly. Was way too much fun. Exactly, exactly. That's the thing. And that's, that's what won her over to everybody. And... You talk about she she was having way too much fun on that show. I understand. I know a couple of people who knew her well. That's who she was. She had fun doing everything. She was uninhibited in every sense of the word. Now, I think she first came to my attention, which I'm sure a lot of a lot of people, you know, the American viewing public, was the Mary Tyler Moore show mm-hmm. as Phyllis, which the woman stole every single scene she was in. What's the name of the episode? Rhoda is the beauty contestant. And Phyllis sings 10 cents a dance. I still remember, I remember laughing the first time I saw it. I laugh when I see it now. And just her commitment. Phyllis, I don't know, was she? I think everybody knows of Phyllis. Yeah. I, I, I never thought of that, but yeah, but everybody knows a a Phyllis. I, I don't know. Was she a precursor of, I almost hate to say this, a Karen? That's a good question. Because if you think of some of the things she did, some of the things she said that were not, I mean, this was before the days of political correctness. Sure. But it just made you cringe. Also, I think the character of Phyllis in many ways uh, before this was a term, she was new agey. I mean, she was, you know, her daughter, Bess. Sure, she was her mother, but she wanted to be her best friend. Well, she was very much a character of the 70s in that respect. 
Yes. Because it was the age of Est. It was the age of a lot of these Enlightenment movements and uh, different ways of parenting were coming to the fore. And so, yeah, in that respect, she uh, she embodied that on a on a more fundamental level. And I forget where I read this. In fact, it may have been in David Hofstede's book that just came out. When television brought us together. In a way, because uh, Phyllis was the landlady of the building where Mary and Rhoda lived during the first couple yeah. of years of the show. And Phyllis being, you know, sort of naturally condescending to everybody, made a point of trying to pick on Rhoda. But Phyllis realized, and we as the viewers realized, that Phyllis was no match for Rhoda. And in, so in a fundamental way, Phyllis made Rhoda even more lovable. Yeah, I mean, from the very first episode, Phyllis made Ted look sane. If you see scenes, especially, you know, if she came to the station or there was a party or something like that, it kind of pushed Ted over to the same sanity level as Murray and Lou. And there was, I'm trying to think, because there were a couple of episodes that involved Betty White. Uh, one was when uh, Sue Ann had a fling with Lars, and they have a great scene together on the set of, you know, The Happy Homemaker. But then there was another one later on, and Ted was the one who kind of said, you know, we got to do something because I, I, uh, Sue Ann's on her way, and Phyllis said the, la the, the next time I see her, I'm going to rip her face off. And Ted's the one that comes in and tries to, you know, you know, called for battle stations, uh, everybody, because they knew that something was going to explode. But my God, you you have you have a character that when she enters the scene with Mary and Rhoda, that's it. She takes the scene. And who can forget Phyllis's attendance at Rhoda's wedding on yeah, Rhoda? I was thinking, yeah. <laughs> uh, I well, her and Nancy Walker. Oh, first of all, oh my God. when Nancy Walker appeared on the Mary Tyler Moore show as Rhoda's mom and sees that Bess is calling Phyllis Phyllis. You know, just that dynamic, first of all, is just amazing uh, to see her in Mary's living room and then to have Phyllis forget to bring Rhoda to the wedding and to see the look of daggers that Nancy Walker gives her and just, uh, you know, I'm going to kill you. And it was, I mean, it was so... Right. And Phyllis still doesn't leave, does not know that this is your cue to not only leave Ida Morgenstern's apartment, to leave the state of New York. Uh, and, if not the country. And, and she doesn't get that, you know, even though Georgette says, I forgive you, but if I were you, I'd get my tail out of here right now. <laughs> and, and still, yeah. No, but even when uh, they were at the, the, the party the night before and the guys are in one room with the cigars and the women are in the other room and Joe goes, Rhoda, it's midnight, it's our wedding day, and Phyllis comes over and hugs him. Uh, it's just... No, Phyllis, you know, it's all about me. Yeah. Everything yeah. is all about me. And yet, Total narcissist. you forgive her. You do? You While well, she keeps coming back. <laughs> that mean you forgive her. True, yeah, and she wasn't invited to Rhoda's wedding. She just showed up. Um, and oh, that's right. She just shows up. Yeah. Which, yeah. You know, I brought this up before. At least, you know, from my memory, we watched the Mary Tyler Moore show Saturday, 
the B storyline is Mary getting gifts for all the guys in the newsroom because they don't know what to buy her. So Mary is buying all the gifts. And then eventually the episode is ending where very casually where Murray and Lou are just going to drive Mary to the airport. Right. And that's how the episode ends. And then it picks up. Uh, Next night. Yeah. It picks up the following morning. Where the flight was delayed and all that. And Mary's coming over and trying to explain how crazy things were. And, you know, she's, it's like a whole, it's like 12 hours later as opposed to, you know, a, a two hour flight and trying to explain that this happens. And then you see Murray and Lou stagger over wearing the same clothes that they were wearing on the <laughs> totally wrinkled. And then all of a sudden, oh, look, my favorite people are here. And then, hello, you know, and Phyllis comes over with a garment bag and it's like completely takes over the scene. And then it's time to go to baggage claim. And she is directing Murray and Lou, who are still not sober, of what bags to pick up. And I rented a car and, and it just, I mean, completely takes over the scene. I mean, just perfect. But then you put her with a Betty White. I mean, this is uh, it's a master class watching those two work together. I, I don't know. Mary Tyler Moore was a master class in powerful comedic women. Yes. God, I, I never looked at it that way. How many? Yeah. And I think Not only in front of the camera, but behind the scenes as well. Yeah, which was groundbreaking. Yeah. And Mary, I think, also was part of that Jack Benny school was, I don't need to have the most laughs in the scene. My name's on the title. And I mean, she was such a great straight man to mm -hmm. to all of these women. But you know, so she she could just step back, come in, deliver one line, and then go back into that little kitchen with the partitions, and stand between her pumpkin and her golden letter M, and let them have the whole run of the scene. You know, there was the one where Sue Ann and um, Phyllis are coming to blows on the set of the show, and Mary comes in for one moment and reads Sue Ann the Riot Act and walks out and then they have the whole scene together and it ends perfectly. It's like, do you know how to get chocolate stains out? Well, of course, you know, she takes a handful of the souffle and yeah, no, it was, it was perfect. And then her last appearance as Phyllis was not on her show, it was on the Mary Tyler Moore show. She appeared in the final episode, did she not? Yes, because Phyllis was not going to be renewed and I think Phyllis was, was that on a Monday night? That was on a Monday night. I think Rhoda was its lead-in. CBS gave it a good time slot, but I think the reason why it didn't run longer than two years goes back to what you just said, Donna. Phyllis was a narcissistic person, and that works as a supporting character. It's a little difficult to soften her as the lead of a show. They try, I mean, this isn't, a, you know, Cloris Leesman could carry the show, and she did, but she was not exactly a likable person character to begin with. And a little goes a long way. Yeah. Which was why you love seeing her when she came in and then she exited the end. Yeah. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. Tony Figaro and Donna Allen are with us for a special edition of This Week in TV History that pays tribute to Cloris Leachman. Cloris Leachman passed away this past Wednesday, January 27th at the age of 94. If I remember correctly from our conversation with Jennifer Armstrong, the character of Phyllis came to Cloris at an opportune time in her career. I mean, she had done, you know, she'd been acting 
for the better part of 20 years, both on stage and in television. But if I remember correctly, by the end of the 60s, her career had somewhat stalled and she was raising her kids at home and she may have been considering doing something else when the when not only does Phyllis come along, but the last picture show came along and that turned her career around. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, many, many, many of us, young Frankenstein. Yes. Mm-hmm. All in the same very close block of time. Yeah, that was also 74. That was also 74, yeah. yeah. Uh, Good year. Good. Yeah, I mean, just in a, yeah, wow. You know, unless I forget, she did, you know, one of, uh, I'd say a fan favorite, Twilight Zone. Yeah. Remind me, remind me. She was, um, and the title is escaping me right now, the one with Billy Moomy. Oh, oh it's a good life. Yeah. She good was the life. mother. Yes. And then they did, when Forrest Whitaker was uh, the host of the show, they did, uh, let's call it a sequel, with Billy, Billy Moomy's daughter. It's still a good life. Yeah. And uh, so it's still set in the little town in Ohio. But now Anthony has a daughter who's even worse. And Billy Moomy's daughter plays Anthony's daughter, and she looks just like him. Yeah. And she, the look of Anthony when he's wishing somebody into the cornfield, she mastered, you know, that that look perfectly. She got it. I mean, it was just amazing to watch. But, you know, to do a character like that, and then, you know, within 10 years, just so well known for comedy. And, yeah, but when she died, I remember people were, uh, you, you could see it on, on Facebook, some people immediately brought up Frau Brucher. Uh, some people immediately brought up the last picture show. Uh, I think most people were bringing up Phyllis. Um, um, a little high anxiety also was thrown in there. The facts of life. The facts of life. She, she took, took over, she took over for Cloris Leachman. I mean, she took over Charlotte Ray the last year of The Facts of Life. Yeah. Yes. And then there were younger people who just saw her as, you know, the grandma. Oh, I love her on that. She had several of those eccentric grandma characters that carried her, I think, from the 90s until, until the very end. And then, I mean, I think to her credit, she also would do, you know, interviews and other appearances to kind of separate her from, you know, like Nazi grandma type. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so you could see, and people loved working with her. Remember when we uh, talked to Ed Asner the last time, when they would do the press junkets, uh, there was one where it was him and... Floris Leachman, and he just thought she was the best person to, you know, this is this is a, a very tedious part of the job, and it was just such a delight to to be doing it with her, uh, and uh, you know that she was fun, and she always had jokes uh, off color, and you know just uh, the, the the fact that they would go to all these cities to promote the show, and she was just great at doing this because this is. It's it's a skill set that not everybody has. Yeah, well, it goes back to what we said a little bit earlier. In reading the obituaries and reading the various tributes to her on social media, there are two immediate takeaways. She was committed as an actress, no matter what she was asked to play, comedy, drama, everything in between. And she was uninhibited as a person in every sense of the word. Um, Charlotte Ray, you know, was her roommate at Northwestern, if I remember correctly. And she, Paul Lind, 
and Cloris Leachman were in the same class at Northwestern at the same time. Oh my God! And that's unreal. There, there are many stories in Charlotte's book, "The Facts of My Life," about how Cloris would walk around either in her birthday suit or in a diaphanous cover and think nothing of it. Um, and I have friends and colleagues, you know, have worked with her in the last 10 or 12 years and they have birthday suit stories as well. So, uh, and it was nothing sexual or anything about it. It's just, that's, that's how she rolled. She was very comfortable with who she was. Which is to be a successful actor. That's what, Seriously, you have to be that uninhibited. Tony Figueroa and Donna Allen are with us for a special edition of This Week in TV History, in which we remember the life and career of Emmy Award-winning and Oscar Award-winning actress Cloris Leachman. We'll take a quick time out, then we'll continue our conversation with Tony and Donna when we come back on TV Confidential. Alexa users, you can now listen to TV Confidential on your smart speaker by just saying, Alexa, play TV Confidential. Enabling our Alexa skill is easy. To find out how, go to televisionconfidential.com slash Alexa. Hello, this is Robert Wagner, and you are listening to TV Confidential. 45 Years of the Rockford Files, revised third edition. The complete history of the Rockford Files on television, now completely updated with more than 20 new interviews, additional photographs, and a whole lot more. 45 Years of the Rockford Files, available now at rockford45.com, rockford45.com. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash TV Confidential, x.com forward slash TV Confidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay Area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you. 